Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey there, Light the Fight family. This is David. And this is Heidi. And we are back. We're going to share our deepest insecurities today. Um, today <laughs> and I'm all gonna, of our shame, right? I'm going to talk about all of my one insecurities. <laughs> Just joking. How would it be? I mean, how would it be? Well, if you're in the room before we, turn, before we hit the record button, um, you'd know a whole lot more about our producer, myself and Heidi. But... That's for the extended podcast episode. <laughs> right, right. It's the... Who wants to hear the bef- the pre-show? Raise your hand. Oh, no. We'd be really <laughs> popular with our audience if everybody heard our behind-the-scenes <laughs> conversations. Not as popular with our family and friends, though. <laughs> Shh, I told you not oh, I wasn't to... Supposed no, to tell don't her. talk Damn. about that. So I'm only good at keeping secrets during <laughs> professional time. Because we know, we all know from that intro that you are not acting as a licensed therapist in this. No, I had to follow the same intro that Dr. Drew and other <laughs> other medical mental professionals. That's right. and, hey, I'm not your professional now. So, <laughs> anyways, thanks for joining us as always, guys. Hope you guys had a wonderful weekend and a wonderful week. If you didn't, well, that sucks, and I hope you have a better <laughs> one this one. But hope, you know, good luck I'm, next I'm time. Trying, I'm trying to say like. <laughs> If we could talk to you, I'm sh- I would really want you to share lots of things that have been going well for you, aka wins. So I thought we'd kick off the podcast and share all of our win, singular, and all of our losses, plural. Now, um, I thought it'd be good if Heidi and I just kind of share with you, you know, some of our highs and lows of the past week and I don't know, just kind of see see where our conversation leads us because as always, Heidi and I and our listeners send a request. We have like a million things we want to talk about. We'll probably get to two. <laughs> that'll, and that'd be good. That'd be good. Let's two pick the really top good. two. Okay. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what those are. I just know there's a hundred things we want to get to. So uh, for you, Heidi, because I know you always like to go first. I am so You love to model for yeah. everybody. That was an inside joke for our listeners. You like to model for everybody. That's like to go right. first. That's right. So you like to make all the mistakes first and then tell people how it went. Well, I do appreciate... The 30-second heads up that you gave me. I've been buying you time the whole entire <laughs> time I started. I'm just talking nonsense just to give you enough time to figure out what you want to say. On the highs and lows. So for those of you, if you're new to our podcast, um, quite some time ago, we talked, and, and you should go look, listen to there, an episode that's called Highs and Lows and Who the Heck Knows. Um, and so this is just a way that David teaches people to get conversations started. In their families, and also with the highs and lows, it's an opportunity for you to to have a real conversation and connect, have empathy, and figure out what's actually going on. Yeah, see, she's born buying more time right now. <clears throat> I am. Go on. Because you got, you got I'm about thirty seconds. <laughs> um. So, my high, I actually had a lot of highs. So I don't know how far back I should be going. Like to the high school, my high school days. No, I'm just kidding. Um. The last time we were together, just a week ago, 
Um, a lot has gone on. One of the highs is that I did a bridal shower. I decorated a bridal shower for a dear friend of mine. Her oldest daughter's getting married. And um, it was a high, number one, because I'm not the mother of the bride. Because that that is a stressful life experience. Oh, you're going to be there someday. Someday. Keywords. Do you think Quincy is going to be an angelic bride? <laughs> Don't answer that. For your own, don't even answer it. Keep it moving. Let's keep going. Yeah. Is there such a thing as ange an angelic bride? I've never seen one, but some are <laughs> a lot worse. You know, my wife, it was pretty, yeah, I mean, she definitely wasn't a bridezilla, but I've seen some. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some. Um, so that was really fun. It was fun because I love to decorate for parties. It wasn't my party. I like to decorate for not my parties. Um. And I got to work with Colton on designing some new words. If And if you follow me, you see that I have this little wall word shop and and my son helps me out with it. And, and it's just been really fun to work with him on this project. And um, so that was a high. Another high... trying to decide what what's the true high <laughs> and it it actually is also kind of it's not a low maybe it's a who the heck knows um also those of you who follow me on social media and know much about my family my daughter who was a senior um we just kicked off the competition season for the drill team this is a stressful time um, a lot of time and energy goes into drill team. Now, if you're not local, and also if you don't live in Harriman, or if you live under a rock, <laughs> drill team is super intense. It's like where all the most intense people go to be with all the most intense people or something. Like there's something weirdly like you know, that whole like attracting a moth to a flame situation where it's just like super intense personalities must thrive or something. Um, this is our third year. And um, these girls practice. They're not allowed to practice more than 25 hours a week. They practice every minute of those 25 hours per week. And the amount of money and effort that goes into every one of these dances and anyway. Let's kind of just, a big deal. Let's just say I'm invested. <laughs> so we had the kickoff night. That was actually just last night. And you know what? It is the only time. So the, the kickoff showcase is when the parents get to see the routines for the first time. Friends and family get to see the routines and the costumes for the first time because they keep it all quiet, surprise, secret. And it is the only time they perform that I do not record. I actually watch it with my own two eyes and enjoy it and cheer. The rest of the time, I'm like so worried about recording it and making sure I'm not holding still. And, you know, it's like I anyway. Um, it's a who the heck knows, because if we don't win. No, that's an issue. And um, <laughs> senior year, no pressure. Senior year is a is a big deal. And also it's kind of like that. 
letting go of my senior, but trying to enjoy it, but I'm kind of burned out. So I'm kind of glad, but I'm also like, then I have to face like what's next. So kind of all those emotions. That's, so I guess that's a who the heck knows. <sighs> my low. My low came in the form of some personal struggles that are going on within Heidi Swap, like inside me. Not inside of Hobby Lobby Heidi Swap. It's or not the Hobby. No, <laughs> it's it's actually like the the person Heidi Swap who's trying to figure out how to be the mom Heidi Swap and the brand Heidi Swap and the wife Heidi Swap and um I'm going to be completely honest with you. If you guys listened to the podcast last week, we talked about the holidays. And here I am like doling out this advice. Like, oh, this is what you got to do. You got to put your, you know, you got to put others in front. Of, you know, like I was feeling pretty good the whole time we were talking on the podcast. And then you know what happened the what? next morning? What? I got smacked with the hugest vulnerability hangover that I've had in a while. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't want to do the holiday. <laughs> like, I don't think the holidays had hit me because I had that Until shower. After we did the podcast. Yeah. Like, wait, it I was like, suck. thanks a freaking lot. So um, I was down for a couple of days, like really sad, really um, lacking some motivation. And so it was like an, like an actual just feeling low. And I didn't have enough motivation to go to yoga. I didn't have enough motivation to eat good. I just sat in it. So yeah, so that was good. <laughs> so that was my low. I would say, wait, what, it was it was low though. So, so that was definitely was, a low. Right? That that was my low. I'm happy to report that I actually did do something that helped me come out of that really kind of a dark place. Is it just me or aren't you guys all wondering what she's talking about right now? And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get her to say it because you know certain things, you know, you just it's just we can't get into all that, but curious minds. Curious That's minds. That's all I can say. Curious minds. So I'm not in that low place right now. You know, I noticed when when you walked in the studio today that you had a little like someone put a little extra shimmer around the edges. You know, like there, there's a little extra bedazzle someone in there. Yeah, that was called frozen. Well, no, it, by the way, we're coming to you from Salt Lake City, Utah. You haven't been out to Utah before? So it cold. gets a little cold. So I could just tell that you're you're feeling good today. Yeah, I'm feeling better. That's great. Yeah, um, I. some of my highs and lows are, you know, just back and forth. It's a high and a low. Um, big low for me is what you just talked about, though. I'm a, I'm a beach bum. Not a mountain bum. I don't, is there even a thing called a no. mountain bum? There's no mountain no, bum. No, nobody it's brags hermits, about it. Right? That's a mountain bum is hermit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I ride beach cruisers, not ten speeds. You know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Should I continue? Or you got yeah. the point. You got the no, point? Okay. it's cold. It, I it's know really it is cold. cold. And, and they, there's snow. Yeah, and, and there's snow, and then I got to wear a jacket. I don't think I've taken off my jacket in like five days. <laughs> I've just kept it on nonstop. So that's definitely a low. And the man, the nights. It's like you wake up and a couple hours later, the sun's going down. Yeah, I know. Actually, we were, it was 640 and Eric says to me, 
is it bedtime? It feels like the middle of the night because it just gets so dark so early. Yeah. It's true. So the whole weather thing, that's that's got me. I'm trying to fight it back a little bit. I'm trying to get outside. That's like a whole stuff. thing for people who aren't from Utah too. Yeah. I can remember when I went to – this is off topic, but when I went to BYU, all of my roommates were from California, Arizona. And these these girls suffered. And I was like, come on, you guys. It's normal. You're good. Like, no, it's not. They were not not having it. Yeah, so that's definitely my low because I'm I'm a suffering. So everybody should feel really horrible for me. I started a GoFundMe <laughs> account to get me some thicker <laughs> socks and some gloves. Um, no, so that, that was my big low. Um, you know, I don't know about all you guys out there, but if you're listening to podcasts, I would assume – that some of you occasionally, perhaps, might have a little family drama. <laughs> and there ain't no drama like family drama. It's the best kind of drama. You can't divorce your family. Most of us have tried. <laughs> can't adopt full grown adults out of the family. Uh, yeah, there's just, you know, there's just been some drama. And um, and anyways, make a long story short, uh, I'm just I'm happy to be here tonight, but my lows definitely do not outweigh my highs. So there's a couple of things, you know, bad weather, whatever, a little bit of family drama, but nothing too bad. Um, but the highs, man, I don't know what it was. Last couple of days, I was going through last week. I, I I ate all my feelings last week. So I had my depressed winter feeling. And then I woke up this week and like Rocky Balboa run up the steps. And I'm like feeling sore. Like I'm like exercise and like I don't know I'm just so glad I got a little bit of pep back in my step because the past week or two I was like oh my gosh like I'm getting depressed I'm not gonna be good at giving advice when someone's depressed if I'm depressed I better figure this thing out and so luckily and thankfully it was just a little episode just feeling a little little wonky little does your wife really put up with you eating your feelings well um if my wife I mean we need like a whole podcast on what it's like to be married to a personal trainer well, if we ever had my wife on here, I would just sit here and you just hear an hour of her talking <laughs> trash on me. My wife's in my wife, I gotta give my wife's props one thing. She's since we've been married, I think I unleashed the beast. Because when we first got married, I've been known to talk a little trash, especially with my friends and stuff like that. And I know none of you are picking up on that. And and I out of nowhere, she just started throwing little, you know, zingers here and there. I was like, what? Huh? And they're okay, but throughout the years, man, they get cold sometimes. You guys. And, but they get clever. So my wife has been talking trash me for a while. I got really good at it. So she just talks trash me now. And I'm like, dang it. I got to take it because you can't be a really good trash talker if you can't. Dang it. You take got it. Me. You got to yeah. be able to take it. Trash talkers, they don't take it well. But if you're a good trash talker, you like the back and forth. Like, ah, you got me this one. All right, you win. Like one point, Alicia and I walk away. <laughs> right. So uh, it's, yeah. So she's been talking a lot of trash, but she was happy the last couple of days. She's like, I was worried about you. You're doing so good for so long. Now you just start getting weird on me. So my high is that I haven't completely given up on being healthy. It's just, well, and you know, she has to deal with people's emotional stuff. Like oh, yeah. both of you guys are yeah. dealing with people's emotions. Yeah, she profession. comes home. She doesn't want to deal with my emotions. Right. <laughs> so, so she's, she's like, like, yeah, eat she's the like, cookie. get yourself figured just out. Just eat the cookie. <laughs> get yourself figured out. So my high was that my wife talked trash to me but wasn't mean to me. <laughs> and uh, the, the other high is um, I have to make a quick little run um, within the next week. I just stopping in for a day in my hometown. I, I got to do take care of some business. 
but I get to surf for a moment. So it's only going to be like 24 hours, but I'll take it. So that's my other high. I'm going from the snow to the surf. So you guys don't worry about me. I'm going to be all right. Okay. We'll all, let everyone the, just take a deep breath. As far as the eating my feelings, I will be eating a lot in California, but it's not going to be my feelings. It's just going to be eating delicious food. <laughs> so that's okay, right? It really Isn't is. Isn't that okay? It really is so great to go to your hometown and eat. Oh, man. Because Well, you unless know, your you hometown doesn't have good food, but if your hometown's got good food, then it's what you grew up on. Yeah. And if you're from Salt Lake, when we used to live out of state or out of town, we just, the first stop coming back home was Italian Village. Um, and so if you've never eaten an Italian Village and had a pizza vendor here in Salt Lake, that is my gift to you for Christmas. Go there. I will go. I've never heard of it. It, don't take Alicia. Oh, no, of course. I mean. And I can't take Brandon because she'll look at Brandon <laughs> and go, did he eat out? And he's like, uh, and he gets scared and cracks me. Fucking, uh. <laughs> I'm like, why would you tell her the truth? She's like, I don't know. She scares me. So good. I mean, it's the total antithesis of, of a sushi roll for sure. Mm. But it's my it's my hometown food that I would always and crave when I was going. Here. Like. Salt Lake is my hometown. And so when we lived in Arizona or China oh, or Canada thought, like, or whatever. I thought you're from like not Salt Lake, like New York or something. I am just like oh, okay. right here. Well, I'm I'm glad you're from right here. But yeah, there's nothing like going home to your hometown yeah. and eating some good meals. And I've gotten a lot of, not a lot, I've gotten a few messages and some people locally tell me that, hey, I, I lived in California. I know all those spots. So for all you listeners out there from Carlsbad, San Diego area, I'm going to drop a couple names on you where I'm going to be going. Pizza Port. Okay. Pizza Port? Oh, you got to be understand. It's just just a surf pizza place. They got surfboards on the wall. They're playing surfing on the movies. Like picnic tables is how you sit. And just amazing pizza. Just a good vibe place. You guys, he's just getting the happiest look on his face. Pizza Port, Fidel's Norte. <laughs> See how it rolls up the tongue? Don't it really it? does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> VG's Donuts. I'll stop for there, but I'll add a couple more. I'm just kidding. Lots of good food, though. Lots of good food. Do you know I've never been to Carlsbad? You haven't? No. Hmm. I'm more of a Newport Beach person, but I'm sure it's nice. Well, <laughs> you know, you would. And by the way, just a little side note. Oh, I know you're a Newport Beach person because <laughs> you like pretty things. That's right. That's and right. And the yachts there are really pretty. I like it. I like it well, a lot. Well, I think Carlsbad would be Gucci and bougie enough for you. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure it is. I'm pretty sure you'll <laughs> like it. I'll give you all the spots to go and check it out. So it's back to from fe- from food to feelings. We're going back into the regular conversations. That's all my highs and lows. It's Heidi's highs and lows. Um, a lot of you out there that have been sending your DMs just want to thank you for that. I know we got to one last week. Um, we're going to do another one this week before we leave the studio. I want to thank you for that. Remember to continue to send in the questions to us on the DM, on uh, the direct messages or emails so we can uh, get some of the information out in the podcast that you guys want to hear. But today, Heidi had a couple things that she wanted to talk about. I had a couple things I want to talk about. So I'm wondering who should go first. How about if you go first? Because I, I had to do the hows and lows first. Oh, okay. okay. I think it's fair. Um, yeah, no. So... All you parents out there, when your kids are struggling in something at this time in their life, and you know because you've lived through this time in your life, that it's going to be okay. Here's a common one that comes up. Kids will be frustrated with their friends at school. Let's say they're in high school. 
And they're like, oh, my friends, this, that. And you're hearing as a parent them going back and forth all these days, complaining about their friends, friend drama, friend drama. And then you hear something like this come out of your mouth, like, trust me, like these friends aren't going to matter. These friends, by the way, a little side note, that your your teenager thinks is their entire world and life, everything hangs on what they say or what they do, their friend group. As a parent, you say, these friends, you're not going to be friends with in the future. It's not even going to matter. It doesn't even count. And you get this bewildered look at the te- from the teenagers like, does not compute. What are you referring to? How could you tell someone? Like, that's like telling me like, oh, you don't like surfing. You don't like that food that you just talked about for 30 minutes. Like, yeah, you're, you don't like that. It's like, wait, what? The reason why it's a tough sell, the reason why young people don't get that is because they've never been at your age looking back on their life. They've never been able to go through it, take a moment, look back on their life, and then process it for a while. Or as I like to say, parents, you've been a teenager. Your kid's never been a parent. So one thing that just, you know, I've been talking to some people about lately and, you know, I've been thinking about lately is, and I'm going to go on a little imaginary wish trip for a second. I really do wish, and this is a sincere wish, I'm not even joking. I wish there is a way for us to plug people into a machine or some sort of device or something that could allow them to feel what it is actually like to have the outcome in a relationship, in a scenario and situation that means a whole lot to you. So an example. As a parent, this came up the other day. Meaning, let me just clarify. Meaning that when you're in the muck and the mire. Yes. <clears throat> yes. If there was a way to feel what you want, or so if you don't have a connection, that was gonna, is, is my example. If you don't have a connection with your spouse, not a good one. You guys are struggling back and forth. I will tell people, hey, try these different steps. Do this. Do that. And it's going to give you a totally different perspective so that when we have talks then, now you'll have new information to add into the pot of, oh, I didn't see this was a possibility. Okay, let me do something different. Because when people have such isolated experiences, when they're caught up in the middle of it, like the muck that you said, it's so far it's so far out in the imagination, it's hard for them to have hope for something that they really, really want but all their feelings are telling them it's just not working out in the relationship. So all, all I'm saying is that I, I really wish there was a way, and I know this is a wish, really wish there's a way that I could take a couple that's struggling and hook them up to the machine so that they can feel what the other person is feeling, one, and two, so that they could also feel, okay, now we're going to hook you up to the machine and you're going to get all the feelings of what a healthy marriage would feel like if you were in a healthy marriage for a while. So when you come home from work, when you go to work in the morning, this is how it feels. And then you just wake up in the morning and all of a sudden now you're feeling all the feelings that your wife respects you. Your husband is sensitive to you and talks to you in the way you want him to talk. You're getting all those feelings as if that was a reality for you. So that when you get off the machine and you come back to a normal place, you're like, wait a second, I have something to compare it to. I know that if I were to do all these things over here, this is the feeling. And in a relationship, it could be like going to counseling, 
You know, all the things that worked in the past that you're just resentful. I don't want to give her or him what they want because they didn't give it for me first. If you would just go first, if you'd use all the tools that you developed to have happy relationships in your life, because you all have happy relationships out there. It's not like you're a failure in every relationship. If you're struggling in one, it might just be that one. So if you could feel that for a significant amount of time, I was sitting there thinking about it. Granted, it'd be a shortcut and cheating, and it's easy to say, well, that's not what life's about. But when I see people go from having no hope, having no belief that this relationship could be different, follow certain steps, and then get to a place where now they're having connection, they're having peace, they're having compassion for one another, they have the biggest eyes. Their eyes are wide open going, I had no idea. And then I started thinking about it. Well, then if we're going to do it with relationships, why don't we do it for our, our physical being? Last week, just in one week, I felt horrible. I felt like dog doo-doo. And I knew, I mean, I was eating, it was just weird how it was just sweet. It's just, I was just eating totally out of character. And this isn't like a health trip or whatever. But then in just two days from me stopping that and getting back to my normal routine, it felt like I was shot out of a cannon and being propelled into happiness. Everything just changed so drastically. And I, and I think the reason why that is is because I was going for so long with doing good. That's like someone in a relationship. They're going for so long when things are going good that when things don't go good, it throws them off tilt. It, it confuses them. But if they had good patterns, good habits in place for a long period of time, they have an anchor to come back to. So I guess what I'm saying is that I've just been like imagining this thing like, man, if people could have an experience to give them an eye-opening, I think our brains would soak that up. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to change their whole life overnight. It doesn't change that they're going to be able to um, uh, to take their past and totally recorrect it. But it reminds me a lot of like drug addiction. The reason why in drug addiction and addictions, it's so important to have time sober. They talk about like how much time you have. Because in that time, not only is your brain healing itself from all the pain, every single moment that you have sober, you can look back and now compare what was sober you like in a relationship versus drunk you. What was sober like, sober version of you like in a job versus, you know, stoned you, whatever it may be. If we have an opportunity to get to those beautiful places, those places where it is great, but there's still struggle, I think we figure things out a whole lot faster. So my whole entire long rant is like, man, I want people to have a little bit of a taste of what success really feels like in relationships. We can do it with material things. Some people, I heard some like, uh, and I'm not going to say I agree or disagree, some some life coaches out there that were business life coaches. You got to write down, I want a Ferrari. Like you're, Their dream boards were very narcissistic in my opinion. It was really like, yeah, $20 million. I'm not saying, it's just for me, it'd be narcissistic. Maybe for them, that's what they're really what they're really wanting and what they're shooting for. So most, like sometimes you can be like, well, I'm just going to go buy a car that's really expensive. Not my Ferrari, but it's going to show me what it would look like if I was successful. It's a whole lot easier to buy a car and put that on credit than it is to say, okay, I'm going to work for six months with my wife to get the success. And that way I know what a successful relationships look like. So I can go back and throw away all my old habits because they're just not really needed anymore. I want people so badly in every core of my, every ounce of my body, I want people to have a moment of what it feels like to have a good relationship with your kid, a moment what it feels like to have a connection with your spouse, with your family members. 
Because man, that moment can bring you so many more options. It can bring you a feeling that can propel you to try to work on other relationships. Could be the one with your own self, could be the one with your, your work partners, whatever it may be. I just see so many people, once they get to that place, and I had a couple today, they got to a place where they're in so much better understanding of what triggers the spouse, what doesn't trigger the spouse. They're like, man, if we just knew this six months ago, we wouldn't have had to go through six months of counseling. I'm like, that's where I came. I'm like, well, too bad there's not a machine. And then we start talking about this. So I'll stop my rant for just, but I just, I'm curious to know, like, what are some of your thoughts as I was talking about this, honey? So as I was thinking about it, the thing that came to my mind was PTSD. And I, and I'm not, I guess I'm not talking about maybe like, what a what a veteran would feel i'm maybe more talking about being jaded when you have tried and you've tried and it and you just never get a good result and so you know we talk we talk a lot about how you know and you've taught this before that your brain wants to create shortcuts because it doesn't want to use up all that energy having hope. It just wants to go straight to the outcome that you've always gotten. And so your brain is going to say, don't take the time and the energy to go through all these steps because it's, you're just going to, it's just going to be failure once again, you know, or what, whatever. And, you know, to be, to be honest, as I was, as I was sitting there listening to you, it, it's interesting how much our brains prefer my brain, how much my brain prefers the negative outcome than it does the positive outcome. Well, it gets hyper-focused on the negative. Right. Yeah. So I'll use kind of a business example. And, and you know, I would love to like have a one-hour rant about this, but... <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to try to be general, generalized and not maybe go for that. Okay. So. So the DM will have a BS episode. In my business, I work with buyers of large chain stores and these, these mass market stores, these buyers have so much pressure on them to perform financially, to get the products to perform to hit the goals, to hit, I mean, when you're purchasing an item, they're calculating the dollars per square millimeter of their store space. You, you, you know, like it is such a science. And I have, I have been through so many meetings and so many presentations and so many ideas, and you have no idea how many great ideas have been completely killed because we couldn't maybe hit that financial dollar per millimeter or, you know, whatever. It didn't fit the mold. It couldn't take the numbers out of the equation. Just. And, and my, you know, now I'm to the point where I've been doing this for long enough that I don't possess that. I sometimes don't possess the enthusiasm and the hope that I used to have as this wide with the sparkly eyes going in to my first meeting at Michael's with every ounce of hope and dream in my presentation. 
actually believing that they would maybe give me a chance. Now I'm just like, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure this isn't, you know, going to be good enough. So let's just get this meeting over with and, you know, it's never not been thought of or, you know, like whatever. My PTSD of, of being rejected or not having something go well is so much easier for me to think about than that time or the times. And there's been multiple times when I went in and, and there was success. I don't know if it's because there's this fear of, well, if I have the hope, there's so much more disappointment. It's so much more painful when I get let down. It's so much easier just to be like, yeah, I know it. I know this isn't really good enough, but I'm going to show it to you anyway on the off chance. Well, you learn to protect yourself. Right. And so isn't that like the PTSD of, you know, trying to find a job? Like, let's talk about somebody who has struggled finding a job or maybe even in dating. I mean, I didn't have a lot of non-success in dating, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, if it's if it's true, you ain't I mean, bragging. Eric and I dated for five years before we got married. So <laughs> there was and that was because he wouldn't ex- accept your proposal. <laughs> well, it was because he was living in Taiwan and I was living in Portugal, and you know, whatever dating air quotes, right? Yeah. Um, when you get rejected multiple times, meaning more than once. The, there is, isn't, is that called PTSD or jaded or when you're just like, you know what, I'm going to skip all that hope and effort, that energy that it is required for me to be optimistic about this situation. Man, it's a slippery slope too. Cause that's exactly what I was talking about. The reason why I was thinking about like, man, if I could just show someone, but you can't show it, they have to actually have it. They have to feel it. Have you shown, oh, this is what your life would look like if you guys got right. along? It's like, okay, like the the ghost of Christmas past or something like that. It, that's not the same. Like you'd have to be like plugged in, like feeling the love for that person that you've been disconnected from. So all that PTSD, like I can't put myself out there. I can't make myself available. That does create, it can create very pessimistic outlooks you know, I'm damn if I do, damn if I don't. So why even put an energy to this? And then people stop before they even get it going. So if you hook someone up and if someone could feel it, it changes everything. So I get the very unique experience of having a front row seat. Well, probably more of a coach, like in, in a basketball or football game analogy, having a front row seat right there, watching them feel the other person's feelings. And then as they connect watching their eyes get big and realizing that they didn't even know that this feeling was even on the menu, that it was an option. They had no idea. It's like, I was only looking for this. If they would just do this, I'd be happy. Well, they do something over off to the side that they didn't think was going to be the main thing that made them happy. But just by them doing this thing, your spouse in this case, by doing this one thing that just makes you feel like you're being understood, you're on the same page. That thing can open up a whole nother pathway that you couldn't even see before. So I guess when I, I guess when I, I'm trying to, I, you guys, I'm working this one out. So this is something that I've been thinking a lot about recently, but I guess what I'm trying to express is that 
if I could look at someone, and I, I see this from my wife's perspective being a personal trainer, if I could look at someone, I could say, you're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to be 200 pounds less. You're not going to have diabetes. You're not going to have all these different types of stuff. And what would be the very first thing that was different that you noticed? So how, how I usually frame it is, um, let's say your dream was when you went to bed, you're going to wake up totally 100% the healthiest you've ever been. And you're going to get to be that for the whole entire day. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first sign that you notice that your dream actually came true? So they'll look at me and like with the weight thing, it's like, well, if I was 200 pounds, I, I think the first thing I do when I woke up is not think about food. I'd probably wake up, I'd probably go for a walk or go for a run or, and then I, and so I have them walk through their whole entire day, what that'd be like. And then they start to kind of digest that a little bit. But imagine if you could actually really have someone going from being obese and overweight and then having them be in the best shape of their life and then put them back in their obese body. That would have to do something, I'm guessing. Like, that would trip me out. It's like out. a whole different type of virtual reality. Yeah, and the reason why I'm on the physical one is that, you know, since I've talked about this since my heart surgeries and I've been really trying to be more active and sometimes better not, but I've gotten a lot better. And even after one week being off, that's the thing is it just, we don't know how bad it, we don't know how much it's affecting our whole entire life. We don't know how much that one relationship from the past maybe a father, a child, like, you know, a parent relationship, someone abused you in the past. We don't know how much we're actually carrying that today with us. And that's where I wish there was a way to like plug in and feel something, or you know, it'd be even better is you plug in and just like on your phone, how you have like the energy, like 85% energy, 30% energy. And something would track. <laughs> and it would track your energy, but it would do like a graph, like uh, with uh, my American Express says, here's your spending here. Here's your spending there. So like, all right. It's like, okay, you look at it and you said 65% of your energy was spent worrying about someone you have no control over. <laughs> Or twenty five percent. Yeah, that would be amazing. Twenty five percent of your energy was worried about what that text meant all day long. I spent twenty five percent of my daily energy worrying about the text. So I just really, I know it's a wish, but I really just wish, like, man, how cool would that be? Because I get to see it, and that's why I believe that people can change. If you could see what I see, you would see miracles on a day to day basis. There. No joke, there's not a week that I don't like ball my eyes out at least five or six times. Once a day is an average for me. So, well, that's about right. But if you saw what I saw, if you saw people making some changes in horrible situations where they thought there's nothing, there's no option, they've tried every opportunity, done everything, and there's nothing they could do, and still there was something that they didn't see and they felt it, they're recharged by it and they're motivated and they started to make lifelong changes. I want everyone to have that experience. Now, if people choose, let's say if, they, if they're if they 200 pounds overweight and they felt a day without it and went back to the weight and they didn't take any time to change their life, eat better, or make any dietal change, like dietary changes, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that because it's their choice. I'm just wanting people to know what the other side of the coin actually looks like. I don't know. I'm always trying to provide those opportunities for people, but I'm telling you guys, listen to me. I see crazy stuff that's positive. I think I spend too much time here. Like I'm exhausted talking about the negative hard weeks because like Heidi said, that's where my brain's going to go. That's where I'm taxing all my energy folks on that. 
but the wins far outweigh the losses. You know, it kind of reminds me, I was doing spelling words with, actually like um, vocab words with Connor. And one of his vocab words was the word aspect. And I just, I pulled it up on my phone because I'm, I guess I didn't know what the, what the meaning of it was, but, and this isn't the exact definition that was on his paper. So this is a little bit different, but it says one part of a situation, problem, or subject. And then it kind of went on to saying by, by having a different perspective, then you'll see the whole. So it's multiple aspects that make up the whole. And, um, it kind of, it kind of took me off guard for, well, it just made me think for a second. Um, like many of you, I am an avid podcast listener. And, and this last week I found a, a new podcast and in the future, I, you know, I think we'd talk about different podcasts that we enjoy, but this particular, um, guy and it's the, the podcast is called, um, Todd Sylvester inspires. And Todd Sylvester is a life coach and um, works in addict recovery. And he was uh, an addict as a high school student. And he, on, it actually was on his podcast. It was another guy's podcast that I actually heard his story that really blew my mind. But he talked about this horrible experience he has as being an addict, which, and then he says, I am, I believe that my addiction was maybe my greatest blessing ever in my life. And when he said that, it kind of caught me off guard. But just this perspective of looking at this aspect of his life is not something he was ashamed of or lamented or regretted. It was actually something that he was like, this made me the person that I am today. And it shaped my entire life. And it has allowed him to go on and, and help tons of people and, and whatever. And I thought, what a cool way to look at it. And the reason why I even apply it to the situations because I think a lot of the times when we're we're in a relationship and that aspect that we're looking at of our life, a, a difficult or broken or damaged relationship, just like what you're saying about the pie chart, you're seeing it from this one viewpoint and it it's sucking tons of energy. But if you had a chance to zoom out and see the whole, like oh, maybe this damaged relationship has potential to make greatness. Um, and I want to just apply it to one more thing because this is just keeps popping into my head. Um, as it was Thanksgiving and there was, I felt like a lot of different people were talking about gratitude and I, and I was really trying to, I mean, we all know that gratitude is a, is a power and, and that when you can live powered on gratitude, then, then you can be happier. Right. And so I was really like trying to do that. And two of my friends told me in two different times, the same story that is from a book called the hiding place. And I don't know the author cause I'm just not, 
that good. I haven't read the book, but what happened was it it was from the Nazi Germany time of these two sisters and they got taken by the guards and they got put in jail and and their place where they were was infested with fleas. It was just like they were covered in bites, they were miserable, they were grossed out. And the one sister says to the other one, they're both very they were Christian. They weren't Jewish and they had a Bible. And in the Bible, they found a verse that said you needed to be grateful even for your worst affliction. And the and the sister turns to her other sister and says, we need to be grateful for these fleas and starts praying to God to thank God for the fleas. And the, the other sister's ticked. You know, she's like, I don't know how this like, How long have we been in this prison? I don't know how we're supposed <laughs> to be thankful crazy, for these yeah. fleas. But what it goes on to say is that because of the fleas, the guards left those girls alone. They didn't go in and abuse the girls. They didn't go in and try to take their stuff because they were so infested in fleas. The fleas actually protected them from worse problems. Things that could happen, yeah. And and so I I guess there's it kind of goes back to this aspect thing. When you are in the mire, it is so hard to see outside of it. And it's easy for your brain to just be like, you know what, this sucks and it's going to keep sucking and nothing that I'm going to do is going to help me. But if there was this way to perceive or, or see that, okay, this is only one aspect that maybe this mire is preparing me for so much more, which I mean, I know it's really hard, but can you see where I'm going with that? Absolutely, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I really appreciated about this one, this this gentleman's Todd Sylvester, that statement of, I believe my addiction, which he talks about how horrible of a place he was as a human to the, to the point that he was planning his suicide. He he was at a at a at a low, low, dark place that that is his greatest blessing. I think that I've heard those same words from the lead singer of Imagine Dragon as well. Well, let me stop you for a second. I've never asked you this because, you know, I've never heard you say this before, but um, where do you think you would be on the spectrum or can you even, have you ever thought about that spectrum in regards to your son? When I, to be very specific, have you ever thought that you're grateful for his, you know, for, for the experience that happened? I have thought about that because I refuse, I, I refuse to be grateful <laughs> for that. I, I'm not, I'm not to the place where I could say that. Maybe that's why I admired that so much that, that Todd said. But what I am grateful for is for my understanding and the empathy that, that I've gained. And I'm grateful for the person that I've become. Because there's no way that I would have become this version of myself without that. There's there's nothing else that would have, you know. Well, yeah, and that's why I asked you because... Um... I would, and this is me just putting myself in your shoes for a second. 
I would assume that you were definitely not grateful for the experience, but you're definitely grateful for the outcome. And what I'm saying, all the things that came. So if that experience didn't happen, you'd be grateful to have your son, watch him live life. So you'd be grateful for tons of other things. Right, right. But because it did happen, I don't see you being grateful for the experience that it put you and your family everybody through. But it seems to me that you're definitely grateful of all the different outcomes that have come from that, the support from the community, this podcast. I mean, I can go on and on. The relate yeah, and how many conversations you would have definitely never been privy to, or how many people's lives would you have had no idea that these people were suffering and struggling? That you you just the only way you know about those suffers and those struggles is because you went through yours. Countless, uh, right? And and there's some that are very specific, like my marriage. I I actually believe that. It, it strengthened and enriched my marriage. My relationship with my children, completely different. My parenting, not perfect. And I could give you five. We can agree your parenting is less crappy now. <laughs> um, so there, so yes, I, I, I am grateful for. The different outcomes yes, of that. Yes, yes. I am. And and I'm not telling you how to feel. I was just, because I get, the, the, think about how that word would sound. I'm grateful that my son passed away from suicide. That you can't say it like that. I'm grateful. my No, no. But you can say, <laughs> I am not grateful for any person I love that dies, because that's just absurd to say that. Right. I'm definitely not grateful that my son died. I'm definitely not grateful that he he died from something that is affecting so many people in our state specifically. And at the same time, I couldn't be um I couldn't there's no way your eyes could be as big as they've been. You see the world and you understand the world totally differently because of this. The people you've connected with, the relationships you've gained through this, those have been life-inspiring, life-motivating, life-changing. Well, and if I look at that as like as an aspect, the my, that wholeness, I I do feel like this is going to sound weird, and and I don't know, maybe maybe I need to think about it more, but there is more wholeness in through this loss. I feel more whole, meaning more, um, how do I even describe it? Like more access to emotions, more understanding, more empathy, like, like that, like my vision just got brought, and I guess to say eyes, eyes are opened. Well, you definitely, before this happened with your son, you definitely were more like, a high-speed locomotive. Totally. Like, we're stopping for 30 seconds and we're moving. Like this thing's like... And, I'm, and I go, mourn go, the go. loss. I mourn the loss of not being that powerful person. But now 
you're like, okay, let's make it a choo-choo train. It's not me in such of a hurry. I mean, you know, well, we'll stop for a little bit longer. I don't even know if we're longer. on a track yeah. anymore. <laughs> you know, we'll stop for a little bit longer, get something to drink. You know, you definitely have slowed a lot of those things up. You question everything you do a lot more. And yeah, Grant, you're trying to figure out how to not overanalyze and overquestion yourself. But I think that's to try to find a balance from before you were running by things not questioning enough or maybe not the right things you're questioning at times. Right. And so I think that when you are in a situation with a loved one that might not be going well, can you be thankful for the fleas? Can you, you know, with a child having to deal with something that's really hard going through that? Um, well, isn't that why that's a, that story is so big with the, with the girls and the fleas is because that's exceptional response to a horrible, chaotic situation. <laughs> right. Like that I, nobody I, would be grateful. I for. applaud them, and when you said that, yeah, the guard stayed off. I'm like, yes, it's amazing, miracle. So maybe what we're saying, tying this back to what I talked about, and I just thought about this, is that maybe the comparison comes from after we go through it and after we gain the gratitude from going through it. When I say comparison, so earlier in the podcast, I said, to know the good, you got to have the bad. To know, you know, everybody knows that you got to feel the, you know, the sweet, the low, whatever it may be. But in this particular case, it's like, what we're talking about, I just want people to have an, another experience to make them more grateful for all the things that they have gone through that have landed them in a successful place. And it's hard to see where you're at as being successful unless, A, you've had some, some bad fails and you have to have something to compare it to. If that's where you have a realistic expectation of success is what I'm trying to come across. Right, it. right. It's, if you just have hurt and pain, people tell me all the time what this amazing marriage would look what an amazing marriage would look like if their spouse did this then they'd have a happy marriage i'm like oh yeah how many happy marriages have you been in <laughs> and they looked at me been married for 2 years only one time in their life they're like oh no we've we've been fighting since the day we got married ago exactly maybe you don't know or the wrong person to weigh in on what a successful marriage looks like Maybe you came into this with some pre, like, oh, it's got to be this way. It's got to be that way. Maybe you didn't create a marriage together. You just brought your old family's marriage to the relationship and said, this is how it has to be. Which has to, which has to happen. That's a natural. Yeah. And, and all, all I'm saying is I just want people to, yeah, you're going through the hurt and pain, but I want you to have a moment to feel like what it'd be like to be successful. And that's why I think podcasts have blown up. I think the best thing that we that I can do as a counselor is I meet with someone and I I tell them a story. I share, yeah, you know, I had someone that was in a similar situation. They did this, they did this, and over this amount of time, this was their outcome. And they look at me and they go, well, mine's totally different. Because, you know, mine is, I'm just trying to get them to open up the, the possibility that maybe they there's something they don't know. Maybe there's something outside of their, their, their frame of reference, right? Like maybe there's an aspect they were totally missing out on. And, and podcasting does that. And that's what sure. counseling does. That's what podcasting does in a totally different way. There, you know, there's lots of things to do this, but I was just, as we we're talking, my like, gosh, that's what podcasting does. It's, it's a proxy thing. When you're on a podcast like this one right here, 
you're talking about your struggles with being grateful for the death of your son because you can't be grateful for that moment. And as you're talking about that, other people can put themselves in your shoes. And if they're not in their shoes, they have a different angle, a different perception. Now they see your situation through your shoes. They feel for you. They feel compassion. They feel empathy. And they feel, man, she just needs to do this. Or if she has this, she's going to feel better. They become a fan of you. They get on your side, but at the same time, they're actually seeing, oh gosh, well, I guess I could do that too. And it allows them, it, it almost seems like, again, you guys, I'm just thinking about this the first time out loud. So bear with me. It seems to me that when someone's listening to a podcast and they relate to someone, they're listening to the conversation, they hear the person's struggles, they hear the person's success, and then it gives them like a little bit of a blueprint of a little bit of map oh, maybe A, I could, maybe B, I could take some of the pieces of what they said and I could add that to my toolbox. Yeah, now that we're saying this out loud, I, I think that's, I'm starting to have a, a new love for podcasting. Actually being the one giving the podcasting because if there's a way I can help any one of you out there just be in someone else's shoes, whether it's mine, whether it's Heidi's, whether it's a, a former client who I say it's a woman, but it was really males because I have to throw, like, I have to give no hints of who people are. I think that's what well, it does. I we, we're to. trying to see it through someone else's perspective so that maybe we can pick up some aspects that we just couldn't see from our perspective. Well, and I, and I, th I think that I have gotten to the place where I don't even like to watch some just, TV show. I know, right? If it has no because meaning or no purpose. I just crave the learning. I love to, I love to, I love to learn from other people's experience. And I love the aspect, the, the different aspects that I gain because, you know, I only talk to about like five or six people a day. Yeah. Maybe 10 on a good yeah. day, you, you know, and, and, 5,000 digitally, though. Well, <laughs> and, and so what happens is that you get really ingrained in those certain people and those perspectives and those situations that your brain is skipping to the easiest, lowest common denominator so that you don't have to experience any, you know, any lost energy of emotion. But with when you listen to a podcast, you get to learn and benefit from somebody's life experience. And it's not shame triggering because you didn't have to pay for the advice. <laughs> and, like and you actually, didn't have to go sit in a, a waiting room. Like, hey, what are you here for? You know, like there's no processing. You can do it, it like, secretly to, on your own. Nobody knows you're like, have your air AirPods in like me. Right. And, you know, I'm doing my dishes. It might whatever. not even be advice. It's just stories. That we are narrative creatures. Call, we are storytellers yeah. as human beings. Listen to someone else's story. Think about it. How do we share the most important information from generation to generation throughout the history of time, except for recently? Storytelling. You had to tell the story by walking a little kid through the wilderness, say, see that snake? That'll kill you. See that snake? You can play with that one. See that spider? Totally harmless. See that fruit? That'll kill you. Someone told you a story about how someone died from that. And then they walked you and showed you what it looked like. You're learning through other people's experiences. I, th I think that we've gotten sort of um, used to using images to be storytelling. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm a culprit of this. 
but we flick through our social media and we look at the pictures and we create our own story for that picture. Yep. And or we um, post a picture and we're trying to create words that match the story and vice versa. Right, right. But in a podcast, there's no story. There, there's no photo that that we're trying to make match some story or or we're having to create an imaginary story. There's no team of editors that say, oh, I didn't like that. You know, we got to take a commercial break. We got to do. So it's less about the production and more about just the process of talking, other people listening to the conversation. While they're listening, they're uploading all the stuff that they feel is valuable for them and deleting all the stuff that isn't. And that, that's a beautiful thing. You know, we talk about curiosity quite often on here. I saw recently, in fact, tonight I was planning on going home and, and subscribing. I don't know it's, if it's really any good yet, but I want to check it out. It's the Curiosity Network or Curiosity. It was, it's through YouTube, but anyways, all they did was take tons of information that's been out there in the world and they made cool movies to match the information only to teach people things that might spark their curiosity. But each one, because I have a friend that told me about each one, he said, just kind of rolls into another one and then you feel your curiosity flow. And I was thinking like, man, how great is it to learn like that? When people are direct, think about marketing. Marketing is this, this is fine line between we want to get our product out in front of the consumer. We want to make it available to them. We want to package in certain ways that's appealing to them, but we can't be too over the top with how we sell it to them. We can't, we can't make it too obvious in the name of the product. You know, like, it's like that meme effect. Like we need to, like we want our brains to work a little bit. It ha if it's too obvious, it doesn't work. Then we're like, mm, I don't know about this. Sounds like a sales pitch. <laughs> and if it's too vague or not properly packaged, I'm like, wait, what was that all about? But a conversation just kind of takes on a life of its own. So it doesn't, by not being scripted, it's almost like it can't be screwed up. Well, okay. I got to stop saying, well, that's one of the things I hate when I listen to our podcast. I'm always, well... So I, I'm going to, I need, what was the one that I always say? I if if like, I say that Brandon, you have my permission to punch me. I need was, like a um, sign that says, don't say right. well. Sorry to me to talk over you. I was just telling our <laughs> producer, my, what was the one I used to always say? And it was, I would say something. Well, I'm sure I still do it. I'd say something. I go, right, right. After everything I'd say, I'd say, right, right. But look what I learned from me listening to my own podcast. Something about that just, just seemed totally unnecessary. Other things are weird quirks about me and you. I'm like, oh, I kind of like it. We're stupid. Oh, well. <laughs> so what I was going to say is that when we're so hyper-focused on our own problem and our own situation that we, we might not have a solution for, when you go out and you listen to other stories and other people that have different circumstances, it just allows your brain to expand it's focused a little bit like, oh, well, at least I don't have that in my relationship. Yeah. I mean, okay, one more shout out to one more podcast is there's a new podcast. It's called Cold. Oh, yeah. They're yeah, have KSL, you been listening yeah. to it? Yeah, it's a KSL podcast. Well, and yeah, I, and I know the people who produce it. They were telling me all about it a couple months ago. They're all getting, cool. getting excited it's about it. Cool. So uh, it's the, about Susan Powell. Yeah. And so you can listen to that. You could send all of your relationship problems to that podcast, David, because that is some pretty messed up stuff. I, I don't think I'll take your advice on that one, <laughs> but you can go listen to that podcast. Um, yeah. 
It's pretty interesting. Madison, sure, all my friends down there at KSO, they're the ones producing that podcast. So you can listen to it for the interesting part, but not for the relationship advice. No, part. no, no, no. <laughs> the opposite no, of no. that. Okay. If you want to feel yeah. good about yourself. Oh, so okay. We're, it's, with all due respect, there is a dead person. Yeah, it's, you no, know, well, yeah. I, no, I, I know that. Yeah, but it. I, I know you know that. It Carol. was. It's kind of a, yeah, it's a fascinating. No, it is very fascinating. situation. But it, it it goes along with what we're talking about. It's like they're just telling a story. They're giving us information. We're picking up pieces. Our brain is tired of people telling us how to think and how to feel. We need to pick and choose for ourselves. My initial thought is that man, instead of it being a wish. I just want to look for every opportunity I could put someone else in feeling of what their outcome of success, what that would actually be like. Because unless you actually have some experiences in it, it's really hard to hold on to those failures and not let the trauma of the past really rock you and cause you to want to just get a bunker and get some food storage and just hide out in there till, you know, till the end comes. Because it's easy to get pessimistic and down when we've had enough rejection. It's hard, man. Some people, they can take a lot of rejection. Some people can take next to none. Some people have thicker skin. Some people had lives where they're just used to being rejected. But most people just don't like rejection. And I get that. So if you're listening to someone else's information, just kind of eavesdropping a little bit, it just it's almost like it falls softer on the ears. It allows it to get through our ego, pass through our shame undetected, and then next thing you know, we can consider making changes, but we didn't have to make the changes because we had to go sit in the counselor's office waiting for me because I'm always late on my clients out there list as I apologize for always being late. Feelings don't have time limits. It's always my same excuse, and <laughs> I run late period on top of it. But the point is that everyone out there is thirsty and curious for information, Let's just look for better ways to help people feel what it would be like to be successful and to feel what it'd be like to have different outcomes by doing different things. And my favorite podcast, and I think about it, they're all successful people just in their own right. Some of them may not be like financially successful, but they figured out something and they want to share what they figured out with other people. And man, it gets my goat. Like it gets me going. Like it doesn't get my goat in a bad way. It motivates me, right? You, you know, you listen to, I just said, right. See, there you go. Um, you listen to a podcast like Cold or these other podcasts you talk about, or even listen to our podcast, just connecting with something inside of your brain that you weren't really looking for, but you found it. That surprise could help you have a better workout. It could help you go to work that day going, maybe today won't be a crappy day. If I got something really powerful and meaningful out of listening to a free podcast, maybe I could have a day different than I thought I was going to have because yesterday was a bad day. I just like if we're always looking for ways to find that moment where we're like, oh, so this is what it's like. Let me try more of this. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I think it's interesting. Well, thanks to those of you who are listening to our podcast. and. Thank you for telling your friends about it. I get so many messages that are like, well, my friend told me about this and I'm surprised about what I learned. And I just am so thankful for everybody who spreads the word about our podcast. Because our podcast is not like, oh, let me just pop on something that is easy to... If we tried <laughs> to be like that, we'd fail miserably. Some people can do it. Some people have that just clean professionalism about them, so... I mean, our I don't our listen podcast, to those podcasts, but I'm sure have, they're out there. We have tough topics on this podcast. 
we have tough topics. And um, I want you guys to know that I'm, all of us are very thankful for your reviews. Um, and we appreciate you taking the time to do that. Not only because it, it's awesome to, to get a great review, honestly, but um, it helps to push and help other people find our podcast. And so you're doing us a huge favor when you do that. So we really appreciate that. Yeah. So continue to please share and, um, and continue to just let us know what you think. We love to read the comments from, you know, social media posts and, and emails and people just say, cause a lot of times people don't send in direct messages. They just send in thank you messages. So it does mean the world to us because Heidi and I are just staring at each other and our producer right now. <laughs> so to know that there's other human beings out there listening means the world. So thank you a lot. You know, I want to add, um, one kind of last parting thought, um, on we have an event that's coming up for our community. And I, to those of you who don't live here close by, super sorry that you don't, that you don't live here. But January 31st is actually, so put that on your calendar. Um, it's going to be a first responder event that is, is being sponsored by 1-800-CONTACTS, which, and 1-800 is our community sponsor. And what they wanted to do was make this event available to anyone and everyone. It's actually being held in the Corner Canyon Auditorium, right? Yeah, so it fits like almost 2,000 people or something. Corner Canyon High School. It's a free event. Um, Just two hours. We'll be giving you guys more information, but right now, stop. Put it on your calendar. Um, It's... It's gonna. It's always a great experience. It's a great conversation. Um, and for those of you that have friends that you've been trying to get them to watch, you know, listen, like the fight, but maybe you know some people just aren't podcast savvy. This would be a great first event to introduce them to hiding myself because we go over some basic stuff and we just share some information, and then the last half an hour or so we just answer questions. It's it's a great event. We're really excited about it. Um, we're going to kick it up a, a notch. Um, so January 31st, that's coming. So just so you know, and you know, big shout out to 1-800. They're like, I had to get special permits for us to do this. And we didn't even know you needed permits to do it. So they're working harder on our events than we are. <laughs> I'm so thankful. Maybe that's why they're a fortune 500 company <laughs> and we it could be. still don't have pictures on the wall. <laughs> it could be, it could be, it could be. That was, you know, that was that was directed at me. No, okay. I'm that was a dazzler. Um, that wasn't. I didn't even mean to that insult was you. Underhanded. Yeah, you guys understand. Our studio <laughs> looks like we should be wearing straight jackets. It's just a white room. It's just very. It's intimate. I feel like I'm. I feel like any moment a really scary FBI person is gonna come in and like what are you interrogate doing? interrogate me. <laughs> Where were you the night of July twenty third? Oh man, that's hilarious. Okay, so. Back to um, Saying back goodbye. to our back to our not talking about the decor in our studio. Um, thank you again for listening and um, for joining us and for spreading the word. And we'll see you next. Time. We'll we'll talk to you next time because <laughs> we don't see them. 
We only see each other. That's true. We don't. You're very observant, honey. We'll talk to you next time. What's your favorite tagline at the very end? Thanks for helping us light the fight. Boom. Boom.